is the Jay Cut, and this is the K Cut, a podcast where we talk cinema. My name is James. I'm an artist, content creator, and stay-at-home husband. My interests include no-budget film and 70 cinema. I am one half of the Prefrantice podcast. I produce and release music under the alias Boutique Paul, and I'm also a member of the Films Fatale writing team. My name is Andreas. I am the creator and one of the writers of Films Fatale. I love international and art house cinema, but I also love a little bit of everything, which you're going to see a lot of come Oscar season, which is approaching. I'm Rachel, and I'm currently working my way through all the shortlisted Oscar movies in preparation for Oscar season. I love lost films, international cinema, and the golden age of Hollywood. I also write for Films Fatale, and I came up with the concept for this week. Some of you may remember our episode on Tom Hanks, which we called Artist Overview. The concept of that is that we want to highlight as much of an artist's career as possible, so we each talk about a favorite movie from that person, and then we each watch a movie that we haven't seen before. So this week, it was James's pick for the actual artist we were covering. James, you want to take it from here? I already knew I was probably going to do this when it came my turn, but I decided to go with Salma Hayek. That's an awesome idea. Uh Are you a particular fan of hers? I do. I haven't seen a lot of her filmography just because she does tend to do a lot of commercial stuff that I either haven't gotten to or just avoid altogether. And being that she's been around since the mid nineties, there's just films that I haven't gone back and watched, but I picked her just because I think she's probably one of the best actresses of the past 25 years, at least in my personal opinion, Uh, not even just for her acting, but she's one of those rare individuals that kind of captures the essence of like classic Hollywood starlets, but you know, she puts her own spin on it because, you know, she's got, you know, she's got the, you know, sexy kind of pinup girl look. She's got the sultry voice with the accent. But I think where she wins is she isn't really stereotyped often. And I think that's where she kind of deviates because, you know, a lot of starlets back in the day, they played the typical role. But her, she has such a range. And I think that will be very evident in the choices we picked because I watched two particular movies. One of them is happens to be Andre's pick also, but they were so different that I was just like, how how do artists pull this off? Like you go from one extreme to the other, but pull it off so effortlessly. I agree. What surprised me is that her filmography is not nearly as extensive as I thought it was going to be considering the impact she's had. So I really had to struggle to come up with movies I've seen and movies I could see just because... For the amount that she's done, she really has been a towering figure in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, for the films that we have seen, uh, and I don't mean in any disrespectful way because I actually do think she is talented. There are so many films that I've seen of hers that I didn't feel like I wanted to elect for like the film of hers that I like per se. And, and the one that I ended up uh, boiling it down to is barely a film of hers. So like, I mean, I've seen House of Gucci, but I'm not going to necessarily recommend that or you know i've seen puss in boots i'm not necessarily going to recommend that for this you know spy kids once upon a time in mexico like there are so many films here that it's weird though because what i feel like i'm trying to say is i'd like to see her doing more critically acclaimed or straight up dramatic stuff that can really um really get the most out of her acting because uh, with my brief research for this episode, uh, brief as in I watched a movie, big whoop, um, you know, getting to see a side of her that, you know, you know is there, I'd like to see that more often. So I feel like she's a very interesting pick because uh, she does have a very versatile filmography, but I feel like it's more so of a, 
like a mainstream blockbuster or action or, um, you know, a Rodriguez a filmography of sorts. But, you know, the, the quick snippets of something else is something that I'm more interested in. And I can't wait to discover more of that in this episode. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because as Rachel said, it's like her filmography isn't extensive. I think she has a lot more roles in like the past like decade or two. But I mean, she has consistent work. I think it's just when she's in something, you just know she's in something like it's just made apparent. Like there's plenty of actors who work all the time. You don't realize they're in anything. But when she's in something, it's like it's it's a highlight of it almost. So, James, which was your favorite that you picked from from the for the first half? So for favorite roles, I was trying to think and I decided to just go with, you know, surprise, surprise, Robert Rodriguez Desperado. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one, it was like it was like her big introduction to the Hollywood audience. Because before that, she had only done she had a bit role in one movie. And then other than that, like her next film role was Road Racers, which was for TV. And then she was cast in Desperado. And I think it just right out the gate, it gives you everything that we all love about her. It's like, you know, just her personality, just the way she carries herself. She's clearly a talented actress. But I I think for just an introductory role, she made such an impact because despite not having that long of a career, because I think she was doing, you know, mostly like Spanish soap operas, maybe I think it was towards the late 80s, early 90s. Just you can tell she's not an amateur, but you usually don't. You don't see that from a lot of starter performances, like a lot of starter performances. You can tell they're trying to give you everything they can to take you seriously. But she just has just this, she's so natural. that It's like, have you been doing this for 20 years or what? Yeah, that's the impression. I haven't seen that one in particular, but that really is what that rings true with me from what she is in her other roles, particularly road racers, which you mentioned. Yeah, it also shows like a bit more of a personality in the road racers. Like you can tell she comes off as tough. Because what she plays, she plays this bookstore owner who plays Antonio Banderas's or the mariachi's love interest. But the bookstore is just a front for a drug cartel who happens to be run by who you find out. uh, Actually, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. But the person who's the main antagonist is actually the superior of the antagonist in El Mariachi, who killed his girlfriend in that story. And uh, fun fact about that, the main pro- the main antagonist was originally supposed to be played by Raul Julia, but he unfortunately died before it could happen. Oh, that's that's sad. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I think it's just a great role just because it, it just shows you her. Per- she has great personality. You know, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just it's just really hard not to love her in movies. Yeah, fair enough. And she's also without controversy. That's another reason I picked her. It's like she's never been a controversial figure. She seems like a really likable person in general. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so hard to not pick a film that's like a Robert Rodriguez picture. Um, so I've got two answers for this first portion because and I'll be honest, I didn't have a favorite role of hers necessarily until I did the film for the second half where I I went in blindly into a film of hers that I've never seen. Um, But uh, my first answer for a role of hers that I liked before in a film that's like not bad is um, Mike Figgis' Time Code, which if you don't know what that film is, it's uh, 
It's a really weird experimental film where it's showing four different stories at once, but they're told in real time. So you're kind of trying to like focus on what you're looking at at the same time. Like uh, whose storyline are you going to follow? And it's, uh, you know, her storyline is very interesting and it kind of is a testament to what you just said, James, where she kind of steals the scene. Uh, perhaps even when there are three other stories going on, uh, you might be focusing on hers the most. But, you know, she's going up against some real heavyweights like uh, Holly Hunter, who's one of my own personal favorite actresses of all time. You got Kyle McLaughlin in there as well. A lot of uh, a lot of interesting faces. But um, in terms of like a film that is like my favorite of hers, uh, this doesn't really count. But I have to point it out anyway, like she doesn't even get credited in this film. Her role is so small, but I'm going to have to go with traffic. It's my favorite film that she's ever been oh, in. Cause yeah. like I, I adore traffic. Oh, I totally forgot and, about that. <laughs> and even still to your point, her scene, you're like, Oh wow. That's Selma Hayek. And not even just because you recognize her, like she still has like a presence in that scene. And you're then just drawn to her automatically. Yeah, I could also point out across the universe where, like, for a split second, you're like, oh, my God, that's her during happiness as a warm gun. So, like, yeah, to your point, even when she's, like, there for, like, a slight microsecond, you're, like, captivated by her. Like, and just, like, her magneticism when it comes to her performing. That's cool. Well, mine, I gave her a slightly... Uh, it's a slightly smaller role and she's one of many actors like the one that you mentioned before and that is Kevin Smith's Dogma which is a great film it's really irreverent it's uh, funny it makes clever points it dabbles in real theology even though the premise is not a thing Um, and she's in this cast she has a relatively small role and she's up with like Alan Rickman Linda Fiorentino George Carlin Affleck and Damon all these people and she absolutely grounds the movie i think she really holds her own and she has to be the one who sort of so to speak brings everyone back down to earth there are all these crazy insane things happening around the characters and yet she's the sort of voice of reason throughout the movie yeah that is actually a really good role and yeah it is a small role because she plays um her character's name is serendipity and she's a muse an angel or something i i just rewatched the clips from her uh earlier today yeah, so even though it's a small role, I think she does stand out as somebody who's essential to the way the movie works. And again, she's just so... It, it, it's one of those things where her presence is so inviting that you cannot help but just be drawn to whatever she's doing, regardless of what it is. Exactly, and she destroys a poop monster, so what else can you ask for? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> So how about, uh, because it sounds like, uh, you know, we all kind of are on the same page with why we liked her initially. Um, what did we discover of hers, I guess, for the second half of this episode? That's what I'm more interested in because, you know, we're talking about like a lot of really small parts. Let's, let's get into the things where we've learned something new about this actress so we can like share that with people. Uh, who wants to go first with their their massive discovery of Selma Hayek? Well, Andreas, you went with what was probably her most famous role, so I was wondering if you should go first. Actually, yeah, fair point. I feel like uh, I, I apologize to the both of you, except Rachel. I think you've already seen this film, correct? I have. I love it. I watch it every couple of years. Okay, fantastic. So uh, I kind of swiped this one from James, and I apologize. It's one of those ones where as soon as I heard this name and... You know, we have the opportunity 
to pick a film that we've never seen before. I kind of like tried to get first dibs on um, Frida by Julie Taymor. And Julie Taymor is the type of filmmaker where I've always appreciated her artistic vision, but I never really felt like she had like a slam dunk with her films. So like uh, for subjective reasons, I love Across the Universe because I love the Beatles, but I don't necessarily know if it's a great film. Uh, Titus, similar thing. I love her artistic vision behind it. I don't necessarily know if it's one of my favorite adaptations of the works of the works of Shakespeare. But I would happily say that Freed is my favorite film of hers so far. And absolutely, and I could be wrong because the two of you watch new films of hers, but absolutely, in my opinion, the greatest performance that Selma Hayek has ever done. So, oh, I would agree. Yeah, like, and I, I kind of want to go on record saying this. Outside of Julia and Moore that year, that might have been my my favorite to win Best Actress because uh, she actually was nominated for this. She ultimately lost to uh, Nicole Kidman in The Hours, who is it's still a great performance. But for me, uh, Selma Hayek as Frida and so many years of her life and taking on so many different different on-screen challenges, you know, um, outacting Alfred Molina, for God's sakes. I feel like that's why he wasn't nominated. It's because she somehow outacted him, and he's, like, such a fantastic actor. Um, so like, much her movie. <laughs> yeah, like, just, you know, she held her own against, like, a lot of big names, like uh, Edward Norton as well, who was on the rise at the time. And I know these are smaller performances, but, I mean, this is such a versatile uh demanding uh, biopic performance. So obviously by the name, yeah, Sama Hayek is starring as uh, Frida Kahlo, who is one of the greatest contemporary artists. And not only is the art part of it, but Frida's this very complicated person. Um, I don't think she's necessarily supposed to be likable in the movie, but we are supposed to empathize with her. And so Hayek has to sell all of these uh, aspects of this character, and she just does it brilliantly. We come out of it feeling we know so much more about Kahlo. Yeah, like as this person, because I feel like if you only understand her artwork, you might just see like the uh, the feminist side of things or the progressive side of things. But as a person, she's so free spirited and wanting to have fun, but also uh, sexually explorative and um, doesn't like, you know, being told no or like, you know, you know, uh, having to face a lot of society's constrictions, you know, when it comes to being a woman, when it comes to being um you know, a person of color, so many different things that she's embodying, as well as her, um, you know, her various illnesses that she faces and the accident that, you know, starts the whole film off and kind of sets the tone for the rest of the film. Why is she a painter? What are the uphill battles that she has to face? Yet she still has this charm and this likability at the same time, like this quirkiness to her. And that's another thing. She, you know, it's, it's all entirely through, how interesting and fascinating she is as a person. Like you want to get to know more of this person. And I feel, I feel like that's such a fantastic attribute to have in a bio picture. You're not learning everything about this per about this person. You wish you could learn even more because this person has been resurrected by such a fa fascinating performance. This so easily could have been a paint by numbers biopic. You could have just taken a few shots of her painting pictures said, Oh, I'm sad now and called it a day but it's so much more. And I think so much of that is down to Hayek. Well, it's funny because her art career is 
like a simple footnote towards the end of the movie also, because it really explores her tumultuous relationship with Diego Rivera, which is really fascinating itself. Just her instant acceptance of him being a revolutionary and also an admitted adulterer who like sleeps with many women, regardless if he's married. They say loyalty, but not fidelity in the movie. And at the end of the day, I also think that uh, her keeping up with uh, Julie Taymor, who also was trying to go against the grain with the biopic aspect, not entirely because it's still pretty much a biographical picture, but there are still some nice artistic angles or surreal moments. Um, Yeah, I feel like she's fantastic. And as bad as it sounds, I kind of wish she won over everybody else now that I've seen this, now that I've finally seen this. That was a strong year for Best Actress, and she was very strong within that lineup. So that's pretty good. (laughs) Absolutely. So now that we've gotten the obvious one out of the way, I'm so much more excited for the films that I've never seen. And some of these I don't even think I've ever heard of until uh, the both of you brought them up. So, uh, Rachel, what is yours? Mine is called In the Time of the Butterflies. I believe it's a movie for HBO. It's certainly a television movie, and it was made about 2001, so slightly before Frida. And it is about the story of the Mirabal sisters. Have you heard of them? I don't think so. Actually, no. Okay, so they were uh, four sisters living in the Dominican Republic during the reign of the dictator Trujillo, who's played by Edward James Olmos in the movie. The movie, by the way, has an amazing cast. It's got Mark Antony, Demian Bichir, and of course Hayek. And the sisters and their families were involved in anti-Trujillo activity. And there's a whole bunch of it that goes into the movie, but the long of it is um, they were imprisoned. The sisters were released. And one day when three of the sisters were going to see their husbands, um, they were beaten to death. And the anniversary of their death is now the International Day of Violence Against Women. And um, their death is believed to have been the final factor in the end of Trujillo's reign in the Dominican Republic. So they are very, very important figures in Dominican history. So Minerva Mirabal is, um, she was kind of the most outspoken uh, in the revolutionary activity of her siblings. And she is played by Selma Hayek. So the movie itself is not great. It's an important story and I really recommend watching it. It is very much a normal biopic in terms of the beats, but it captures the story very, very well. Um, Hayek is definitely one of the biggest reasons to watch it. She is phenomenal. Um, She has to play this very, very brilliant, committed character, one of the first women in the Dominican Republic ever to study law. And she starts out as a teenager in the movie and then grows into this person who is willing to do anything to make her country a little bit easier to live in. And she goes through this whole journey. She goes through prison and Hayek is able to carry all of this off and every aspect of her personality. It's, it's wonderful. And it's, it's a movie that I would say anybody should see, especially if they want to explore that side of history and Hayek's performance anchors it. I'm going to have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I, I'm kind of sad to hear that the film itself isn't particularly fantastic because I was uh, kind of looking forward to this one. What would you say is the, um, is like maybe the the, the pitfalls of, of this film. Mm, the pacing's a bit slow. Um, I think it could delve deeper into the political situation and maybe some of the other characters surrounding the Mirabal sisters. 
Also, part of it is it's based on a novel. So it's not a, this is a true story. It's it's a novelization of the event then turned into a movie. So I think if it's stuck oh. closer to the facts, then maybe, I don't know. It just also in the sense that Frida was more of a daring biopic, this one doesn't really go anywhere. It's just like, this is what happened. This is, which is fine. And it's a good story. And I think that it's a story everyone should know. But um, it just was it just doesn't elevate the movie in terms of filmmaking. But again, I think it's important to know. At least it's only 90 minutes. So it feels like it's a pretty effortless attempt. To, you know, should I have some time? And I feel like, hmm, what should I check out? I mean, I'd also really like to see a young Damien Bashir, who I've only been introduced to, like his more recent stuff. And I think he's a brilliant actor as well. So... Mark Antony is also really good in it as a young, uh, it's, he's her first boyfriend who was eventually killed and it's, he's, he's excellent. Um, it's a strong cast all around, but Salma's definitely should be and is the star. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you can't go wrong with Edward James Olmos as well. So, so, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to have to check that one out. Uh, what did you check out though, James, for your Salma Hayek pick? Well, like yourself, I had not seen Frida yet, and that was originally going to be my pick, and I didn't want to say it Sorry. just in case anyone else needed it, because I have no problem watching. I have so much free time. I, I contemplated watching a lot of movies of hers, but I didn't get around to it. But I ended up watching Frida, but I decided to choose, because I was trying to think, is like, should I go like a critically acclaimed serious role or should I do something that she's more known for? So I decided to go with, cause it just happened to be on Amazon prime fools rush in, which is a 1997 romantic comedy where she co-stars with Matthew Perry. Oh, wow. And what's the premise? Well, the premise it stars, it stars Perry as a <laughs> New York city architect. And he's sent to Las Vegas to oversee the construction of a nightclub and he ends up running into Sama Hayek's character, who is a, you know, very free spirited. She's a Mexican American photographer and she ends up moving to Las Vegas simultaneously. And it's kind of the classic story uh, where those two meet lust at first sight, one night stand. And then a few months later, she finds him. She's pregnant. And then it just kind of delves into the very generic thing of, you know, they're trying to navigate this relationship, but also cultures clashing because, you know, he's very straight laced and from New York and she's very free spirited and very in deep with her Mexican culture. But I, and don't get me wrong. This is probably one of the corniest of the nineties romantic comedies of that time. And Matthew Perry, no matter what he does, he's still Chandler Bing, no matter what he does, but it definitely showed the side that people love about her, about how she's just like, you're a very fun loving person. You're very drawn to her, just her energy. And, you know, be, because there is still a seriousness to it. She balances the fun side with the more sincere, vulnerable side, given the situation. I mean, I recommend it if you're into romantic comedies, but other than that, it's, it's passable if you want. I just thought I'd give it a, you know, give it a spin because, you know, it's always good to explore all sides of the artist and not just the critically acclaimed ones. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And sometimes you can find a real gem that way, too, even if you weren't expecting it. I mean, it is entertaining, especially like, you know, there is it's the moments like where like the scenes where she and he interacts with her family. You know, it has the classic like there's one where it's, you know, the scene where he's taken out to the desert to shoot guns with her brothers. And it's just he ends up like <laughs> it's really funny. He ends up like 
walking towards them and he notices a bunch of snakes around and they all surround him and start shooting the snakes and then he ends up falling into like a cactus or something like that actually you find that out because they bring him home with like you know thorns in his back and um of course her dad is just you know a typical father and being crazy in that regard and then there's also a moment because he comes from a well-off family the where she meets his parents and they're very much you know snobby individuals so it, it just has all the hallmarks of a generic 90s romantic comedy but something about her being in it just there's just something about it i don't know what it is even just her name alone just star power exactly she doesn't have she, to do anything she's a star in the way that people 50 years ago were stars and not many people can say that now yeah, that's why I said in the beginning, it was like, she's like an old classic Hollywood starlet, but very modernized. Because it's like, you know, she she avoids being stereotyped. And if she does, it's on purpose because she takes the role. I will say, though, I, I would like to see her in more roles like Frida. Because that, that was, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely good. I also think it's important. I think there's a lot of importance, though, to the Frida performance because... I'd say her presence in Hollywood is great because one of Robert Rodriguez's goals with specifically casting her was to bring more presence to Hispanic actors. Mm -hmm. And I think her getting the role of Frida is very important to have somebody of that actual culture who probably, you know, because she said she was interested in the role because of her fascination with her paintings growing up. So I think for her to take on this role is just very important. Just I think for just overall representation in in general. For sure, for sure. Well, the way I see it, even though I'm not like particularly fond of these films, I feel like the recent uh, resurgence of her career with she was on quite a bit of stuff this year. So like the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which as anybody could tell by now, that's not really my wheelhouse at all. Uh, she was in Eternal. She was in House of Gucci, which for those who have seen House of Gucci, I would argue outside of Lady Gaga, she's the next scene stealer in line. Um I don't know. Maybe there's a potential where she's going to be taking on some demanding lead stuff in the near future. And who knows? Maybe it's wishful thinking. But I feel like uh, if you if you hope for something enough, maybe it comes true. So let's do that. Let's hope for Selma Hayek to get some more like leading meaty roles that like really show off what she's capable of. It seems like she likes having a lot of fun, which I can't disparage any actor or actress for doing so. But um i'd like to see some of this other side of hers as well because she really is talented yeah i think it helps that like you you can tell her career is very much she does what she wants because she can she's married to a billionaire so it's not like she needs the money so whatever she takes on it's purely because just out of wanting to be this i mean she was in the grown-ups movies uh, well, yeah. we don't need to share that (laughs) which we all know the adam sandler of is very much uh sort of community after a while um they they do these movies because they have fun doing them uh, as Sandler right. included so I think I think Hayek wanted to be there right right exactly <laughs> so nonetheless uh I think uh that was quite a success and I can't wait to see who gets selected for uh, our next analysis of a similar nature but uh otherwise we're going to give you our random recommendations for the week uh but before we do that where can you find us, especially if you're Selma Hayek and you want to you want to have a talk with us? Because uh, we just uh, we just gave you some really good. Uh, I would die exposure. if that happened. <laughs> uh, hey, Selma. So you can find us at McKay Cut under Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. This month for our cinematic smorgasbord, we're doing Never Fear, directed by Ida Lupino as our collective. 
I forget these every week, but for our individuals, we are doing Summertime, Persona, and Splendor. Well, if Selma Hayek actually reaches out to us and tells us what she thinks of Persona, um, yeah, yeah, I think we could safely retire the podcast like right there and then. So, <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, uh, what are our recommendations uh, that we want to randomly select for our listeners and or Selma Hayek? <laughs> well, um, I did not pick a Selma Hayek movie, but I did go down Kevin Smith Road. I think everybody should watch Clerks at least once. It's a great example of independent filmmaking, no budget. It brought Kevin Smith to a wider recognition, and it's just all around funny and a good way to pass an evening. Fantastic. Well, on my end... Um... I was thinking of, yeah, like the Academy Award performances. We're looking back. I really wish that the person that, you know, I wanted to win actually did win. And um, I'm kind of doing a, a U.S. office marathon currently because, you know, tis the season to feel warm. I can't help but think that, you know, I've got to give a shout out to Foxcatcher starring uh, Steve Carell in one of my favorite performances of the last 10 years. Um a very harrowing uh, pseudo sports film, more more of like a a build up to uh, an infamous crime within the Olympic and sporting communities. Um, yeah, Foxcatcher. It's one of the most frigid fil- films you may ever see, but an absolute mu- must watch. And if you want to see Steve Carell in a very transformative performance, it can't get better than this. All right, so I'm just gonna come up with something random off the top of my head, off the spot. And since you, since it's almost Oscar time and we know, uh, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Peach is probably going to clean house. Uh, I'm going to go with his debut, Heart Eight, primarily because it's one of those, it's one of those films, like, it's not the most amazing film ever, but as far as a debut goes, it's really good. It kind of goes, I, I, I actually have this, like, kind of trilogy of films that I think about that are, like, really good before they took off and it goes that movie blood simple by the Coen brothers and bound by the Wachowskis. It's like, they're just good examples of film noir and that's all they have to be. It also proves they're just adequate behind the camera. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for listening. That was the K cut. And now we are going into the L cut. Happy holidays and happy new year. Happy new year.